So the uh, topic that uh, we've been going along with out of the book of Psalms with uh, prophecies, the, the topic that I got chosen for is uh, betrayed. Um, and it goes back into Psalms uh, 41.9 where the, the verse is, is, Even my own familiar friend in whom I've trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Now, I'm sure that uh, there is uh, several... Uh, people that as soon as we start talking about being betrayed or the word betrayed comes out from a scriptural perspective is that the first person's uh, mind that comes into place is Judas and you'd be correct with what this is going to tie into but just for those that may not be familiar with the story of Judas is that I want to bring it back into the New Testament where it actually quotes some of these things where it actually basically says exactly what happens here in Psalm is that where he talks about a familiar friend which means that somebody that's close to him somebody that was trusted somebody that was a part of a group um, it actually gonna uh, we're gonna go through a couple verses that it'll bring it out that it'll actually say that and then uh, also the one who ate my bread is we'll go through some quick uh, verses that it actually mentions that that where they actually ate bread together and where it actually specifically says that this is somebody that was my friend and names him by name and so as we go into that um, I'm going to read some of these other verses and it starts off in uh, the book of Matthews and in the book of Matthews in chapter 26 chapter 26 verse uh, 14 through 16 it says, Then one of you, one of the twelve, called Judas, Israel, when they, the chief priest, and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him unto you? And they counted out thirty pieces of silver. So from the, that time on, he sought opportunity to betray him. In uh, Matthew 26, uh, verse 21, 25, through 25 it says now as they were eating he said surely I say unto you one of you will betray me and they were exceedingly sorrowful and each of them began to say to him Lord is it I he answered and said he who dipped his left his hand his hand and with me in the dish will betray me the son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him but who woe to him the man by whom the son of man is betrayed it would have been good for that man if he had not been born then Judas was the was who betraying him and answered and said rabbi is it I and so in mark 14 um, 18 through 21 he says where wherever he goes and says to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then we, he will show up a large upper room furnished and prepared and make uh, there ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it was, he said to them, and they prepared the Passover. In the evening he came up to the twelve now as they sat and ate. And Jesus said, Surely I say to you, one of you who eats will uh, with me will betray me. In John 13, 26 through 27, John 13, 
Jesus answered, It is whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas, Iscariot, and, and the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him, and then Jesus said to him, uh, What you do, do quickly. And then going back into Matthew's, uh, Matthew 26... In verse 4750. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with great multitude, uh, with the swords and clubs, came in the chief priest and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given up them a sign, saying, Whoever I kiss, he is the one who ceases him. Immediately he went to, to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said unto him, uh, Friend, why have you come? And so some of these different scriptures that we went th just went through is things that it ties exactly what we'd seen in Psalms 41, um, where some of these things that he said, somebody that was going to be a familiar friend, somebody that was close to him, somebody that he had an intimate relationship with, somebody that he was going to eat with in a table. And we not only did that, but it actually went to different accounts where people said it from different perspectives, whether it was Matthew or Luke or John, is that these different men said that. Two of them actually quoted the name of who it was going to be, um, that was going to portray Jesus. The other two didn't. Um, he used it to the, in Luke where he said, woe is to the man that he shouldn't have been born, is that he's not actually talking about the birth of Judas, but he's talking about the woe that's going to come with the judgment that he's going to have to answer, answer for, for the sins that he's about to commit, the portrayal that he's about to do within Jesus. And so when we, when we look at this and we think of this, when I was uh, given the opportunity to speak on this, I wanted to really focus on the fact of um, uh, Jesus's mindset with this is that it is obvious that in Scripture is that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen with these different quotes that are coming out of this verse, and it was in multiple equations that he talks about this this portray. But not only that is that if we look before um, Jesus is that when he's talking to the disciples at the the last Passover about this portray that's about to happen is that he had told them previously that not only that he was going to be portrayed, but he was also that his death was going to come out of it. And so if we look back to where before the setting was even there, is thinking about where his mindset is, is that now Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, to mock and to scourge him to, and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. And so thinking about all this, that's how it's coming together, is that versus looking at it from Judas, which is a huge portion of this story, is that how he portrayed him, is that it was hard for me not to think about where Jesus' mindset was and what Jesus was knowing. Of knowing before is that before he even talked about the betrayal, that he also knew that his death was, um, that was coming as well too and the mindset that he has. And it's amazing to me in this story that when Judas is normally spoken of, is Judas is the center of attention. And for me, I believe that Jesus should be the center of attention, not through just this lesson, but in all things that we do in life. And so when we look at Judas, is that just so we're clear, is that there was a couple different Judases that are in the Bible, and it's very specific on what Judas this was. And so 
when we look at Luke 16, it says Judas, the son of James and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor, is the Judas that we're talking about. That's not some of the other Judases that are listed in the Bible, and that's the scripture that shows which one we're actually talking about. But when I think about the mindset of Judas, there's tons of stories about when he was out doing work and discipling with God, and with, I'm sorry, with Jesus, out on the road, is that his characteristics, that I think is very important that we pay attention to the characteristics of the people that we have in our lives. And for example, there was a story that uh, Jesus was going to, a lady wanted to anoint his feet with oil and perfume, and his perfume was expensive. And immediately after that, uh, Judas's heart and the, the attention that he was focused on was, why do we have to use the most expensive perfume? Why do we have to use this oil that costs so much money? And so the mindset that he initially goes into is not the uh, act, what was going on in the anointment of Jesus at that point in time, and also the inconsideration for the poor is that he said, hey, we should have took this money and this perfume that cost you know, $130 or more and put that and given it to the poor. He wasn't concerned with the poor. He wasn't thinking about them. He was thinking about himself and that this is something that he could have taken. But we also see tons of other, through other stories that are in the New Testament of his love for money, his greed, his inconsideration for the poor. Um, he was a hard-hearted man in a lot of settings. Um, he was jealous. He was jealous of others is that, uh, even with amongst the other disciples, when they would come in, they'd have stories about, well, when certain things were happening, if that who was going to be the greater one of I, and who was going to do this when these things happened to Jesus. Um, he also uh, was self-serving, obviously, and had worldly hopes, the things that he was a part of, and the reason that he followed Jesus, uh, the, the, the thief where he stole from them, um, covet, you know, covetous thinking of others, and also carnal when it comes to worldly decisions, is now... When I think about this and I read this story, is like I said, is that Judas is somebody that very, uh, it's a popular story in the Bible. And I think in, in human our nature is that sometimes we can look at people and we can look at stories about Judas and the things, the terrible things that he did, and it makes us feel better about the things that we do in our lives and the, the settings that we have in certain situations. And so when we look at this is that the, beautiful, the most beautiful thing of this story is what Jesus did and how Jesus handled portray and the things that he was to do and show these guys, which we're going to go into example. But I wanted to stop real quick and talk about betray and how it exists today. Um, is that it exists in our workplaces, it exists in our friendships, it exists in our families, it exists with even our spouses. Is that tons of uh, people are cheated on in their marriages on a daily perspective. There, there, there are tons of terrible things that people do that when they pit themselves first. When you look up the definition of portray, it means to give over or to give up. And it's sad that a lot of times when we look at these things, when people have done wrong by somebody, they're throwing in the towel and it could lead to like their lack of obedience, their lack of faithfulness, and they're throwing that up and they're willing to throw somebody else under the table to take the attention off themselves. And unfortunately, is that when we always look at the person that's doing these versus how we're doing this, is that we know that a lot of times that this is how the devil works. And that when these things happen to us, it leads to bitterness. It leads to a revengeful spirit. It leads to disappointment of our own disappointments. It leads to spite and ultimately leads to hatred. It leads to exactly what the devil wants to. He wants to open up a door and an opportunity for us to be start thinking with the wrong hearts, to not be spiritually mindset as we should be, and leads us down a road that we don't want to be a part of. 
And this is exactly what happened in these things. And I'm going to show you where this happened with Judas as well. And so the, the thing is, is that when we look at some of the reasons why he followed Jesus, was it because he was a true believer? Where Peter, that uh, Mike mentioned today, that he was going to build that ch church and that he confessed Jesus Christ is, was the Son of God in front of everybody? Or was it for other things? Was he, was he a true follower in the way that Jesus wanted his disciples to be a follower and a servant of him? And make them confessions like Michael mentioned earlier today uh, with confessing in Acts. That they, I, I stand here because of these things were Jesus Christ, the one that whom you, cross, you, you crucified on the cross. Is that, or was he was in this relationship because of his own personal gain? Was he in the relationship because Jesus uh, had selected a few so he'd be of, of, of a particular group, something that was of a better status? Uh, was it because of the crowds, the multitudes of the crowds that he had people that were surrounded by above this world and things that people wanted to be a part of, the political power, the influence, the success, the wealth? When we think about these things, why Judas was a part of Jesus's life, we know that this exists and it's something that's very struggling for us as soon as we step outside these doors and we step into the world, we try to get pulled into these things on a daily perspective. And, God, and that's how Satan works also in our lives is with temptation and things that how we can get pulled into these. And so looking at this from Satan's perspective in that from Jesus's perspective is that I love the fact that where it says in scripture how he pointed these things out that these characteristics were all evil characteristics that ultimately represent the devil and ultimately represents uh, the, uh, the Satan how he works in our lives and so talking specifically about Judas is that in John 6 70, 6 70, 71 Jesus answered them did I not did I not choose you the twelve and the one of you is the devil he spoke of Judas Iscariot the the son of Simon for it was he who had betrayed him being one of the of the twelve at the end of the meal that they went through is that it talks about that he says right after this is that Satan had already entered his heart right before he goes about to do some of the deeds that we talk about through this uh, the things that had happened is he says Satan entered his heart and then Satan entered Judas's heart surnames Iscariot uh, who was numbered among the twelve, so he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to him and give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray, G, betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. And then on John 13, 2, at the supper being ended, the devil had already put into his heart of Judas Isacrit, the Simon's son, to betray him. And so I think that it's important a lot of times when we have people that have done wrong by us is that we look at the characteristics of what they're living in at their times and that being mindful of the characteristics that are of his characteristics and Christian attributes and being mindful of those are one, the, the devilish characteristics and how Satan can work in our hearts. And it gives us the opportunity to do what Jesus did in some of these settings um, for doing it, especially when it's out of our control, when they've been so overtaken that there's nothing that you can do besides prayer. It shows that Jesus did this as well, too. For those that are struggling with these characteristics, that they've been overtaken by these uh, things that, um, that exist, is that we're still mindful of them and we can even pray for them in certain settings. And so uh, I wanted to read another story in the Bible. And it talks about right after this, the, the supper and the things that he was talking about, and it talks about his portrayal, it's, uh, Jesus goes into the washing of his feet. 
uh, the disciples' feet. And it's a well-known story, and I think it's one, too, is that a lot of people, when they look at it, they look at it from, obviously, Jesus is showing others, the disciples, of what it is to be a servant and be a part of a servanthood. Um, but it's more than just the washing of the feet and the act that goes into it. When we read some of these verses, it's going to explain some of them times from the mindset, from where they are at and how they reacted to some of these things. And so in John 13, 1 through 17, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his, how, his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having uh, loved his own uh, who were in the world, he would love them to the end. And the supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into him into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose at the, from the supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded it himself after he had poured water in the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them in the towel with, it, with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, you, you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said, What am I doing? Do you not understand now? But will you under, know after this time? Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him and said, If I do not wash your feet, you can have no part of me. Simon said to, Pete, to, said to him, Lord, to not of my feet only, but also my hands and my hand. Head. Jesus to, said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is, is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you, uh, for it, he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you not know what I have done for you? You can call me the teacher and the Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you shall also uh, wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you, could, you should do as I have done for you. Most surely I say to you, servants is, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent, is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed, blessed are you, and if you do, do them. And so there's quite a bit that goes on here, and I kind of broke some of this down, is that the first thing is that right after all these things are going is that Jesus' death is about to be there. He's mindful of who he's still serving for. He says it in here. He's still a servant of God that has sent him. That That's where his mindset's at. He's also wanting to still teach the disciples of what's going on, and so he does this in de demonstration of this complete love for us. Um, he... Uh, not only knew this, what we've been focused on about the betray, but it was more than that. The disciples that were there, it wasn't just Judas that was going to betray him. Um, one of them was going to deny him. The other one was going to, the others were going to desert him for a, a short period of time as well, too. So it wasn't just the betray. There was other things that were going on in this setting as well, too. And he's still trying to serve them. He's still trying to love them as in complete love. Um, the servanthood that goes in with it of showing that it, this isn't something that you should just do for me, but you should be doing for others as well. 
um, the no part of me is that what he's talking about is washing of his feet is that they'd come from a dusty road. And he's not saying you don't need to be bathed for if you believe in me, you've already been washed. It's something that they didn't understand at that time. What he's saying is that the spiritual cleansing, that he's going to cleanse them of these things when he's washing their feet through this deal. And that if they can't understand that, then he's not going to have a, to be able to have a part of him. But also my hand and my feet, a believer has already been cleansed. He or she needs cleansing of daily sins that come through confession. I love Peter. <laughs> Peter, in the, the, a lot of times these guys' mindsets, when all these things are going on, is that they have no idea what's going on. Even when they talked about the betrayer, they're like, who is it? Is it me? He just told them, you know, not very long before on the road to Jerusalem that, hey, I'm going to have a betrayer and somebody's going to kill me. They're not even concerned the fact that he's about to die at that time. At that point in time, they're focused on who is it? You know, who's going to be the betrayer? The same thing here is that Peter says, you're not, you're, you would never do this for me, Lord. You're never going to wash my feet. And then later on he says, hey, since you're going to do this, go ahead and wash my hands and my head too. You know? And so it's something that I find that just where their mindset's at is that where, God, where his mindset is in from things of above. And they're so focused on the things of this world at that point in time. And so uh, washing of the disciples' feet not only meant the model service, but it also represents the ultimate service, which is the forgiveness of our sins. The even things that they were cleansing them from was the sinful things that they come from, the things of this world, and that's ultimately one of the greatest things is the forgiveness that he's offering there as well. Jesus proceeds to train his apostles, giving them a huge lesson in humility, servanthood, and forgiveness, which illustrates by washing their feet. Um, Jesus prays for his disciples, is that when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, is that during that time is when, when nobody could stay awake and nobody could do there, one of the prayers that he said was specifically for the disciples. He also prayed um, for believers, that's the saints, the people that are in this room. He played, prayed for us at that time, but he also did a specific prayer for the disciples, and in that he talks about the son of perdition, which is referring to Judas. And so while I, was, while I was with him in the world, I kept them in your name. Those who you gave me, I kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, though that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of them is lost. Jesus protected disciples during his earthly ministry. Even when they came to get him at the garden, they pulled out the sword that they were talking about today, is that he stopped them from doing that. That was him protecting them at that time. It's still the protection that he provided for them. Um, Judas, the son of perdition, is distinguished from the rest of the apostles. He had, he had never really been a believer. In John uh, 6, 64 through 71, um, I've just put on 64 up here, but, uh, I pit, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were and who did not believe and who betrayed him. Um, and then he also talked about what we just went through from the cleansing. In John 13, 11, for he knew he would be betrayed him. Therefore, he said, you are not clean. And so when we look at this is that I think about how many times people read the story and they hear this, the story of Judas and they think about Judas and how that's an easy way to look at things when we're comparing somebody that has a heart of that nature a heart that's able to do portrayal, a heart that's able to go against Jesus, that has the selfishness and the thoughts that he does before him, these other things that he was out there, ultimately these uh, evil characteristics that are ultimately going to pull us in that could create bitterness in our own hearts if we chose to. The way that we look at other things, the, uh, the aggravations or the anger that we could have in our lives. And I look at how Jesus handled this situation, which is the ultimate model of who we should 
continue to look up and continue to watch, you know, mimic our lives for. And so in final, right after this, when he goes through and washes the feet, is that in John 13, 18, uh, this is where he quotes what we originally started with, with the prophecy and making that prophecy true. This is what Jesus says, and this is the direct tie of, between Psalm, one, or Psalm 41, 9 into the New Testament. And he says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know who I have chosen, but the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his hill against me. And so when he talks about this, just like what it said, is that in, back then is when they said a lifted up hill is somebody that's in a position to ready to attack. Somebody that's there, whether it's in a kicking position or somebody that's ready to come after you. It's throughout this whole setting when he's sitting here along, along this table with these disciples is that Jesus' heart's still in the right place. And he's also knowing that he's still here to... to fulfill the commandments of God and the things that he put was put here on here. He's not thinking of himself at that point in time. He's thinking of the things from above and the things that he needed to fulfill to, to continue on the prophecies that were put out there. And so for me, the, the fulfillment of this verse's experience of Jesus and Judas is remarkable, but moreover, um, the quoting of it is nothing, uh, the, the, moreover, Jesus quoted this verse nodding its fulfillment in jo Judas. And so, in closing, is that how it would be very easy for us to look at uh, Judas and use that as an example of how we could follow, uh, or not follow, but uh, look at this from make it feel better about ourselves when the terrible things that Judas did. I think the bigger lesson is, is looking at how we can continuously improve as Christians with an open and serving heart in all settings and be mindful that uh, grace, to be strong in grace in all times and to continuously be led back to him. And, and that's what things we're mindful of and the things that we should be a part of. So I hope this is uh, something that you guys are able to look at and maybe take throughout the week. And if, as always, if there's an opportunity that we might be able to serve you as a church, you can come forward in the Song of Invitation.